you ready? Are you ready for September? 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 Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership with Phelps Game Calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast, the May installment of the School of September. Thank you guys for tuning in. This month, by uh, by popular demand and, and through reference, I've got somebody who I haven't had on the show yet, and uh, he is a the, the 2019 Men's Division World Elk Calling Champion, and I'm sure you guys have seen him around. But uh, I asked around about him and asking, you know, is this is this somebody that would be, do a good job for our School of September series? And everybody said a resounding yes. So welcome, my friend, Jermaine Hodge. How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Been busy for the, for the past two weeks, but I'm doing good. What is this I hear you're like uh, training Olympic athletes or something? That's what Dirk said. Well, yeah, absolutely. So I... I competed for a number of years from 2005 to 2016 mm-hmm. to make the Olympic team. And then uh, now I coach athletes to make the senior world team or senior Olympic team. And and we're trying to bring home medals on the, on, on the, for, for wrestling. Uh-huh. Wrestling, For, yeah, wrestling. That's that, I, that's kind of what I figured. So you um did, did this start when you were in the army? No, this not a, this did definitely didn't start when I was in the army. I I started when I was twelve years old. Started wrestling, and I won a lot of school age stuff at a young age, and then I went on to compete on the collegiate level, and then then I joined the army. And oh, gotcha. then I started competing on the senior level. So it started a long time ago. You've been, uh, yeah, you've been wrestling for a long time then. That's pretty, how, let me ask you, it's kind of an off topic question, then we'll get back to it. But how would, how would you describe like life as an athlete and how that relates to elk hunting? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, as a competitor, as a competitor, athlete, and as a hunter, I'm always striving to be like the best I can be at that particular sport, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, hunting is right in my realm of like, yo, 
I can't fail. I need to be successful. And that drove me to be successful on the stage and in the Elkwoods. So Hmm. it's, it's, it's like hand in hand. Mm-hmm. For 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 athletes, I can't speak for you know every everyday people, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Everything Me I too. touch, everything I touch, needs to come to gold. And if it doesn't come to gold, then I'm gonna try my best to make it come to gold. So. Uh, I, I, cause I, I want to circle back to something you said, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on that. Um, that attitude, that mentality is, is, is I, I would, I would assume that that comes from being an athlete your entire life and, you know, being in this environment where you're dealing with, uh, you know, Olympic level athletes, um, and, and you travel a lot for that. Uh, and, and I guess that would, that would just tie all together. So we can, I, I think we should have, since it is a school of September, um, dive a little bit deeper into that a little bit uh, down the road here, because I think there's a lot of application people could take from that. And and you know when we're talking about applying it into the into the Elkwoods, because I think personally, you know you're you're successful, you're consistently successful hunters out there. Um, we could talk about all the tips and strategies in the world, but what it really boils down to is they have a mindset of they don't want to quit. They're, they're not going to quit They're They show up every time. And that makes a big difference, especially when you're talking about, you know, an elk, <laughs> they're not easy. This is elk hunting. And I, I would, I would venture to say, you know, it's one of the most, not just, and I'm not talking just like the physical part of it, but it's, it's one of the most difficult hunts you could do in here in the lower 48. And so anyway, you're in, you're in Colorado. Um, where did you grow up in Colorado or where are you from? No, I'm originally from North Carolina. I did not grow up in Colorado. I didn't move to Colorado and I, excuse me. I got stationed in Colorado in 2005. And you've been there ever since? Ever since. Does uh, does elk hunting having anything to do with the fact that you stayed there and didn't go back to North Carolina? Has a lot to do with it, but wrestling <laughs> deal Wrestling had more to do with that than anything. Oh, did it? Yes, it did. I am. Uh, I, I, Olympic. Oh, go ahead. Olympic City. Olympic City. So the the home of 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 the Olympic City. So I know I know nothing about that, Jermaine. That there's like is that like a hub of where everybody goes to train? Because I guess I guess I, I shouldn't say I know nothing about it because I that now that you say that I it, I do recall. Wherever that is in Colorado is like a is like a headquarters for Olympic athletes to to train. Colorado Springs. Yep. 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 I've got a couple friends down there. Um, and I asked that because I so it's funny. Uh, you're from back east and ended up out west. Uh, due to the military, I was out. I was from out west and ended up in North Carolina due to the military. And I noticed they didn't have any elk out there when when they put me out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Move me, move me, move me. Yeah. They're, they're like, you're going to North Carolina. I'm like, wait a minute, man. Hold on, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this one. <laughs> so, um, I want to talk about because obviously, again, this is this is a school of September episode. How'd you get into elk hunting, first of all? Well, 
you know, I got, let me, let me give you a long, short story. Okay. When I, when I signed up for the military, I came in to wrestle and, and I didn't come in to wrestle. I was looking for the wrestling program. And when I came in, I came in 2004 and, um, I, joined the military program and I said, I know the military has a program that has an outstanding program. I just need to find it. Mm-hmm. And no one could put me point me in the right direction. I said, I'm gonna find this on my own. And lo and behold, I got stationed in Korea. And uh first sergeant comes out, he comes out to the formation, he sits out there in the front. He gives a laundry list of things that we can do to get out, stay out of trouble. And I said, he said, there's a wrestling tournament in Camp Casey. And I said, well, I'm going to go out there and beat everybody's butt and take my frustration out. (laughs) (laughs) And lo and behold, I went out there and and dominated that that competition. Mm -hmm. And, And I was looking for the program and I came from a wrestling background. I came from college wrestling. So it wasn't, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing unfamiliar to me. Sure. So, so then the athletic director that ran that tournament, he was like, man, who are you? He was like, dude, he said, we had another tournament down South. He said, I want you to show up that tournament. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Go to that tournament. As long as we ain't got nothing going on, I go up the tournament. Boom. I show up that tournament and I entered two divisions in that, that particular tournament because they didn't have anybody in my weight class at that. They had one person in that weight class. And I said, man, you, you what's the weight, next weight class is up? And I was like, oh, my God, 160-something. I said, Jesus, that's a little heavy for me. But I said, let's go. And I won that tournament in two divisions. <laughs> Sheesh, man. And then... And then he said to me, he said, this is when you, you fax everything over. It wasn't text. It wasn't, you know, emails or anything. It was you fax everything over. He was like, bro, hey, I want you to put your, your bio together and send it over to me so I can send it up so we can get you in all army. And I didn't know what all army was. I was like, OK, all army, whatever he said, I did it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Got it done. Three weeks later, I got orders to Fort Carson, Colorado. No kidding. I was like, Colorado? Okay, let's go. I said, we're going to go out here and do our best. And I said, do our best. Man, everything I touch, I'm trying to win gold. I'm trying to win gold. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I don't, I'm trying to win gold. And, uh, where, where does that come from, Jermaine? How how were you raised? Rough, rough. Parents didn't make a lot of money, and uh, my mom always paid our way to competitions through, you know, through wrestling, and uh, we raised a lot of money through competition. But but I think, you know, I would have to contribute a lot of it with me and my brother like yo you earn what you get and you get what you earn mm-hmm. and uh and 
a lot of brotherhood like fighting throughout our our young ages but it was it was a rough it was a rough upbringing but at the same but at the same time it was a lot of love there it was just a rough upbringing it was hard there was it was tough yeah 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 i i I, that's that's why i asked that it's there's i there's like this theme you know um when when people grow up in rough circumstances or or they grew up in like a poor family um or (laughs) you know just different types of hardships growing up it just it does something to you uh, you know, and there's especially when they're not handed everything, you know, growing up. And and I think that that makes a an interesting person and and be like a, a super determined person um, versus somebody, you know, that grew up and just kind of had everything handed to them. They're, they don't understand how bad it can get. You know what I mean? Um, right. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's always an interesting topic. But uh Anyway, getting back to where you were, you end up at Fort Carson. Um, you want to turn everything to gold, uh, and and all of a sudden, before you got to this point, were you an elk hunter at that point, or is that something that came as like a result of being stationed in in Colorado? I was a hunter. You were a hunter. I did, was a hunter. Did you hunt in North Carolina growing up? I hunted in North Carolina at. So I started hunting in North Carolina at uh, at the age of 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So ninth grade, ninth grade. I don't know what age was. I don't don't quote me on that. Yeah. And but but I was hunting with uh, friends, rest, wrestling friends. They they showed me a bow and arrow, right? Like, yo, mm-hmm. this is how you shoot a compound bow. And I was like, man, <laughs> this is cool as hell. I was like, damn. And I got stuck. I got stuck because I was fixated. You know, ADHD set in. I'm fixated on this. I love this. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but at the same time, I love the, the aspect of let's get in the woods and let's see what we can do. And 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 it, it intrigued me. Every year was different a year. You know, just because you thought something was going to plan out the same year, it was different. And uh, my 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 twelfth grade year, and all of us uh, was signed to different colleges, and I went to to California. Mm-hmm. I went to California, and 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 I, I signed with uh, Lassen College in in California's JUCO College, Junior College, mm-hmm. and uh, and I knew I couldn't afford to to hunt out of state. I couldn't, but I was with uh a good friend and and a coach that was assistant coach Joe Arminas man that that guy he still stuck, sticks in my head and he took me hunting and fishing everywhere in he California there in California northern California it was it was awesome i didn't hunt big game hunt a lot a lot of small game right mm-hmm. and uh, loved every aspect of it and then i left I left college and then I went back to North Carolina and then I joined the army. And then the hunting thing was still there, but the wrestling thing was way more of a power than the hunting thing, but hunting was still there. And uh, my passion was hunting. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, my passion, excuse me, my passion was, was at the time, my passion was wrestling. Yeah. Like I, 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 re- I really need to be successful as a, as a wrestler. And, um, I joined the military in 2004 and, uh, I got stationed in Korea and I thought they ruined my, I thought they ruined everything they had, I had going on. Because Korea didn't offer the wrestling, and obviously there's probably not a hell of a lot of good hunting in Korea. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't hunting in Korea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But the wrestling thing was still going on because we were still doing, like, yo, let's see who's the best of the best. And that's where you showed up and, and, and just kind of showed up and, and participated in the tournament and won it? Yeah, yeah, two tournaments. Two, two the tournaments. two, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So that goes on. Go, you go to and then, Fort and Carson. Then, so the athletic director on the second tournament said, "Man, who are you, dude? I I need your stuff. You know that was back when you know fax stuff was going on and uh. Mm-hmm. So I gave him all my paperwork. Like, yo, this is me, and uh, he sent it up, and I got accepted to All Army, which is a sister program to the World Class Athlete Program, huh. and uh. I got accepted to all army and lo and behold, first sergeant comes out one formation. He says, Jermaine Hodge, you got orders to Fort Carson, Colorado for wrestling. And I'm like, Holy smokes. Everybody's like, wow. They, you know, jaw drop. And they like, when you coming back? And I told everybody, I was still with my jaws dropped. Like, is this mm-hmm. happening? And uh, I told him, I said, I'm not coming back. I said, I'm not coming back. I said, I'm going to come back to get my stuff. That's it. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not coming back. They thought I was joking. They was laughing. I said, no, I'm not coming back. I said, I this can't, is my I, I can't even imagine, like, I think about when I was on deployment somewhere overseas, when I was in the in the military, <laughs> and mm-hmm. if somebody got called out in formation because they're going back stateside. Uh, I can't imagine like, because I, I mean, it's for, for anybody that's not been there, done that like deployment or, or just being stationed overseas. It, it, it kind of sucks, you know, um, it sucks. it's, I mean, it really sucks. And so I don't know how it was. I never went to Korea, uh, but on all our deployments, I mean, you just kind of feel like you're a prisoner somewhere and, and you're stuck overseas. You just want to get back home it's and tough. yeah. Yeah, you're missing all the holidays, hunting seasons, all this stuff. And so to get called out and be like, hey, yeah, by the way, you got orders, you're going to Colorado uh, because you're a wrestler. I'll bet there was some jealousy among the ranks. And uh, I, was there any, like, animosity towards you? No, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of, like, I can't say animosity or nothing or, or jealousy. It was questions. Everybody had questions like, okay, is this real? Mm-hmm. Is he really? And then when when I told them, I said, I'm not coming back. I'll, I'm coming. If I come back, I'm coming to get my stuff. That's it. That was reality to me. And, and, and I told them I, I was being sincere. I said, this is my calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, everybody has a calling. This is my calling. I said, wrestling's first. I said, I'm going to perform, but I just need the right people to see it. 
so I ship out to Colorado. I get here. And I show up. And back then it was like 40, 40 soldiers from different different posts showing up to Fort Carson, Colorado to the world-class athlete program. Mm-hmm. And we're competing against people that train year in and year out. And these particular ones that train year in and year out are already on the national team, the world team, and Olympic teams. So they good. They're really good. Mm-hmm. And I got to compete against those guys. So I'm like, holy smokes, this this is another level that I've never been on. But I told him, I said, you know what? I'm just going to work hard and let's see where this goes. I'm going to work harder than anybody else. I'm going to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. And like whatever run we went on, I was first. I work hard in practice and, and if I got my butt beat, who cares? I worked hard. And then progression started happening. Like, you know, you got your senior athletes that are that are on these world team and Olympic teams. Now I'm I'm scoring on these guys, right? Mm-hmm. I'm scoring on these guys that I should not be scoring on. I should not be scoring on these guys. And um, and then all of a sudden, the head coach of the world class athlete program came up to me and said, "You want to be a part of this program?" I said, that's why I'm here. I'm not here for all army. I'm here for this program. And uh, he said, I, I need you to place top eight at nationals. And I said, top eight at nationals? The stuff that I've been going through, I'm good, you know? <laughs> and, and lo and behold, that was tough. That was tough. I placed eighth. I placed eighth on my my first debut for senior nationals, which is Olympic style wrestling. I placed eighth at nationals. Wow. And from that point, I went back to Korea. I went back to get my stuff. Not to hang around. I went back to get my stuff. Huh. I got orders and went back to Colorado. And I signed back in Colorado to the world-class athlete program in 2005 and then from that journey has been quite a journey but we can go into that too you can just ask me any questions you want well i mean i i I hate to go down rabbit trails when we're doing a school of september episode but rabbit holes are are like like, endless yeah, I, I they are they are and and on a regular episode we go all over the place right I mean we get off the topic all all the time but uh, on this episode I try to keep it as elk related as I want but I'm super curious um, where did that go like just in a nutshell uh, how long did you do that for you know where did where did that go all right so I'm going to translate this into our elk episode right mm-hmm. so. 2005, I got assigned to Fort Carson, Colorado, to the World Class Athlete Pro- Army World Class Athlete Program, mm-hmm. and then I'm I was a surrounded. I didn't even know it. I was surrounded by elk hunters. Didn't even know it. Hmm. 
these guys got it done year in and year out. And I was like, wow. You know, I said, man, I'm a hunter too. They didn't even know it. That shit. I hunted deer, white deer. I hunted white tailed deer and and <laughs> a lot of fe- a lot of pheasant and this, that, and this and and quail and whatever. And they were like, you ain't, you ain't, and you ain't, you ain't dealt nothing other than elk. So they deal with elk and primarily elk in Colorado. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about when you talk about these guys that were on the team, they were like. What do you know about elk? And I ain't know nothing about it. I was like, I don't know nothing. <laughs> and so, 2005, I was like, well, if they hunting elk, I want to hunt elk too. And uh, sure enough, I missed the draw in 2005. 2006, I put in for the draw, and I drew. Mm-hmm. I drew on my first, my first chance in this particular unit. Okay, I got a question on that, Jermaine. Um, when you are a resident in Colorado, do you have to draw every year to go, or is is that is that something that was kind of a product of you were a non-resident, or like what do you mean, or or were you drawing for like a you know a specific tag, or a, I'm sorry, a limited draw tag? No, that's a limited draw tag. Oh, gotcha. So in Colorado, okay. so in Colorado, if you're in the military. You're considered a, a resident. Yeah, yeah. A non-resident, but resident. Yep. And so I get the resident choice, not the non-resident choice. So it wouldn't cost me as much. Well, that's so, what I thought. Because that, that's how, like, when they sent me to North Carolina, I got to buy resident hunting tags. Um, and, and I always hear about, you know, Colorado's over-the-counter, over-the-counter. Over, all, all I've done is fish in Colorado. I've never hunted Colorado. Um, so... That's that's why I asked. So you were you were drawn on a limited tag for for Colorado. I was drawn on a limited tag in Colorado as a resident, but mm-hmm. non-resident because I was military. Yeah, you were military. Yeah. So you get a little bit, you know, you get perks for being military. So. Yep, for sure. Um, so I drew this tag in 2006, and everybody that was on the team, one, two, it was three. It was three of us, mm-hmm. two two of the buddies, and everybody was like, "He ain't gonna kill one." <laughs> so, what I did at that point when I drew that tag is I fixated. It's ADHD. It's something in me. I fixated on being that champ, right? Mm-hmm. And practicing and practicing, watching as many videos and. And I knew where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be, right? I just wanted to, I wanted to kill this elk. I wanted to prove to everybody that, yo, he can get it done regardless of who he is. And uh, so I practiced and practiced and practiced. And I was able to make cow sounds with a diaphragm. And I said, I'm ready. I'm ready. September pops up. <laughs> I I wasn't ready. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't ready. <laughs> what, what do you mean? You weren't ready calling wise or I mean, obviously I you I had the re- fitness. No, I was in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in shape. Nothing could tear down the mountains like I could. Mm-hmm. I could tear those mountains down. It wasn't that it was 
the aspect of finding these elk and calling these elk. I thought I was able to call these elk in with a simple cow sound, but that wasn't it. I need to make other sounds too. And I, I didn't have all that yeah. in my, my, my arsenal. And, uh, so I started building all this stuff throughout the season beforehand, but my, my, my ability to do this was limited. And, and uh, so I relied a lot on, on being able to locate a bull and then move in, make a diaphragm sound. And my diaphragm sounds wasn't the best. And then move in with my open reads. And I used a lot of my open reads because I don't know why, but my open reads sounded really good to those bulls. I I was able to kill those bulls with the open reads for the for two years. Mm-hmm. Two years. Just using cow sounds. Just using cow sounds. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that. That I mean, the first bull I ever called in was was on an open read, uh, just yep. just mewing them in. And yeah, I because I, I it's funny you say that around the same time period. You know, I I had always learned growing up that you go out to hunt elk basically like you hunt a mule deer kind of thing. Uh, I was taught totally wrong, and it derailed my entire early adulthood in my elk hunting career. Um, <laughs> but the, and and it, another funny thing that you said there, like it's it's funny like a diaphragm call. Sometimes you can get a bull to respond right with a mule, and, and, but but sometimes they just they don't they don't say anything. But you you yeah. you dial in that uh, open read, that external read, and all of a and sudden you've got off. two or three of them blowing back at you. You know it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's something with uh, I you don't. I'm not I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. But what I will tell you is I I think it's you know sometimes when you can't get them to answer, you give them a different frequency. Mm-hmm. You give them something that they haven't heard all season. Now, don't get me wrong. You get a lot of non-resident hunters that that blow some some calls, but they don't sound realistic. Shoot, you get a lot of resident hunters that do that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they don't have to be non-residents. I'm not trying to beat everybody up, but, you know. No, it's okay. We can beat them up. We, can, we totally beat them up. We can beat up all the Doug Fluties on this show. That's what we do. Yeah. Because yeah, we want them so to be better, could, right? We want them to. We want them to know that I there is a problem, so that they could be better next year. Because I'm sick of getting seeing people derail their entire hunting season because they don't know how to call in elk, and they and 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 they're like educating elk and turning them in the opposite direction, and they go home all you know bent out of shape that they spent all this money to go on an elk hunt and didn't even get them pulled oh a sound God. off. Oh my God, we are on the same frequency. Yeah, dude, dude, so many hunters come out out west mm-hmm. whether whether they they're from west virginia north carolina georgia wherever they may be out west i mean out east to come out west mm-hmm. and then they come out here and they spend all this money they drive out and they they do this they do that especially shoot if you're coming out this year you're going to spend some gas prices especially if you're driving oh man and this year is going to be raping a lot of people but I'm not going to get in a political thing about it. But what I will tell you is this. I get out here and I hear, I hear 
I've been in a lot of over-the-counter units, and I hear a lot, a lot of people go out here, and it's funny, <laughs> and it's funny, and, and you can peg them away from anybody else, You're like, Jesus, that's not a bull, that is definitely not a bull, that is our Doug, that is our Doug Flutie, that is from X amount of wherever, I'm not even, I, you know, no state in particular. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could be, but, they could be like 10 miles down the road from 10 right miles down, down and the they road. do that. Exactly. And it's, that's, and I'm like, that's funny. And I, and I hit my head, I, I do the cartoon look and I hit myself in the forehead and I'm like, Jesus, why did I come here in this <laughs> unit? I was like, so they do that one, that, that real cookie cutter one where there's not really any emotion in it. It's doodly doo, doodly doo. And then, yep. then you have the other type of Doug Flutie that goes in there and it'll be dead silent. And then all of a sudden, this insanely aggressive challenge bugle just erupts across the mountain. Um, and, and that's what we're here to address, folks. Like, that's not how elk talk. They don't just all of a sudden go from laying down to blowing aggressive, you know, challenge bugles across the drainage. And, and you know, Absolutely. that's just not how it works. So, um what let, let's let's touch on all this for a minute um jermaine like give us in your mind we we talked about the the calling aspect and i, I feel like we're going to come back to this like because i i really think that that is an important aspect of september elk hunting um but in your mind uh you've been doing this a long time now you've notched a lot of tags uh, a world champion elk caller uh all these things uh, like what are some of the like the top three uh biggest mistakes Resident or non-resident, uh, no matter what state. It, which, by the way, how, have you have you hunted outside of Colorado for elk? No, but I am this year. Are you? Yeah, I am this year. Well, we'll talk about that later. But I am this year. Okay, cool. Yeah. I am this year, but I, I'm I'm not hunting. I'm just as a partner. So maybe you can be the caller. I am the caller, dude. You can come up. To, oh, come, sure. come on up to North Idaho. You can be my caller. I, I do it. I do it for sure. I do it for sure. <laughs> um, so, so like the top three, and I, I usually ask this question on school of September, what are the top three mistakes that you see elk hunters make every September when, when you're out there? Um, I think number one thing that they like, I would, I would say is, uh, not being able to call, not being able to call. Listen, um, for all all the listeners, all the viewers, is elk are vocal. They're vocal all year long. Mm-hmm. And not being able to communicate with them, not being able to speak a little bit of language with them, you don't have to know what they're saying because they could be speaking Russian and we're speaking English. You don't have to know what they're saying. You just have to know what they're saying when they're doing it. And I say this kindly because I've watched videos and mimic the elk exactly what they're doing when they're doing it and and mimic the elk to the T. So. So if they're doing like quiet bugles, you know, don't go blasting. I mean, kind of expand on that. Okay, so. So elk callers, I mean, uh, elk hunters come out here and they go, hold on, hold on. I got two things, 
two things. Man, I can go into this is a deep rabbit hole. I can go in two things. So at the very beginning of September, and this is my theory on elk hunting, and I'm going to stick by it. And I imagine a lot of my good friends, really renowned elk hunters, will stay with me. Listen, at the very beginning of September, the elk are still in bachelor herds or getting ready to split up. And they split up. Listen, a lot of the bugle sounds will pull in those bulls. Late in the season, a lot of your cow sounds will pull in bulls. Mm -hmm. So throughout the middle of the season, you mix it up. So September, and I'm just speaking for September because I love archery hunting in September, and we can speak about any other month you want to because elk speak all year long. Nope, we've got other episodes lined up for that. This is this is school of September. And, and like, where you, where you hunt, does it open? Because up here, we, we open for elk August 30th, and it runs through September 30th. Is that pretty much the same there? September 2nd through... September 2nd through, through September 30th. Okay, so basically the same thing. Um, I want to break down the month with you real quick on like your opinion on what you consider early September to mid-September to late September. Because I've noticed a lot of people break that month up a little bit differently. Like they're like, you know, oh, early September is September 1st through 15th. And then from the 15th through the 20th, it's, that's mid. And then the rest is late. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's yeah. no, sometimes it's not in everybody's mind kind of the same duration for breaking those three sections of the month down. How do you break it down? I break it down like this. September 1st through probably the 10th. Okay. September 1st through the 10th. Last year threw me for a loop, but I'll explain yeah, that too. here in a minute. And and I'll go down, I'll go down a rabbit hole here in a minute. Okay. But I'm gonna tell you how I break it down every year. September 1st through about the 10th, you have Bachelor Bulls and they branch off or they're still stuck together. If they branch off, it's usually late in like the 7th, 8th, 9th, or 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. They branch off then. If you want to catch a bachelor group together, you catch them early September. Now, it, it, it plays state to state, year to year. Do not get this twisted. But I'm going to just break this down by how I break it down by the month. Okay. How I'm expecting how everything to go down. So early September, 1 through 5, September 1st through the 5th. September 1st through the 5th, you're going to have a bachelor group. If they're still together, they're hanging out with each other. Then they usually branch off between the, the, the 5th through the 10th or the 10th through the uh the the fifth through the tenth or the tenth uh excuse me the fifth through the thirteenth mm-hmm. they branch off they branch off they're they're homies they still homies but they not communicate with each other and the communication is is really violent it's uh stay your lane stay my lane kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. and then 
between the the 10th through 13th or the 13th through about the 18th. 18th, man, I'd even stretch it out to the 20th. Mm-hmm. So let's go. Let's go 10th through the 20th. They either have cows, or don't have cows, or searching for cows. So that search in that I already have cows is already in the play. My favorite time to hunt these is usually early September before they get those cows. Now, now, don't, don't, yeah, let me, I, I got, going, I got questions. Ladder, I got questions. Ladder, 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 <laughs> All right. So, so that, cause I, I tenth, tend to agree that 10th through that 18th or, or 20th range, they're seeking or they have cows. And then you have a lot of satellite bulls with that. Then towards the end of season, that 20 through the 30th, you have a a herd with a dominant bull. He's the herd bull, and you have a lot of satellite bulls. And then you you're reaching towards the end of the rut. Now, each rut in each state goes a little longer. Some states go a little longer. I've known in Colorado, for example, that that rut might go two weeks into October. Mm-hmm. It could very well do that. Totally. But but I know this. I play it from the 1st of September, even, even in August, right? But mm-hmm. I would say the 1st of September, break it down those first five to ten days. Those are my satellite bulls. And then at number 10 to 15 to 18 is they're seeking or they already have cows. And then you break it down to they have cows to that's their herd with satellite bulls. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of makes sense with oh, yeah. that totally. question. Totally. So, yep, absolutely. Um, Okay. I want to go back. Uh, j- just let's let's hit reverse here real quick. Okay. Because I wanted to. We. I, I was asking you like the top three mistakes, right? Um. And, top three. And, I'm sorry. I went down a rabbit hole. No, no, no. That was my fault. I. And that's totally fine. I don't care if we cover the top three mistakes at all. It's. It's. But I. I do want to address one thing you said. Um. That where where you're talking about. Okay. What what your in your opinion one of the biggest mistakes is not being a good caller. I want I right. want to I want to talk about that in a sense of um, like you're a world championship calling guy, right? You won the you won the RMEF. What it, it was a world championship elk calling contest, um, absolutely. Which is which is awesome. But like like for me, I I've never even competed in an elk calling contest, uh, and I I might. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. I'll get my butt whooped, but I'll I'll it's do good it. Practice. Yeah, it's, it's great good practice. practice. But I, I have, there's been a lot of discussion on this show and other shows like, you know, you you don't need to be a world-class or a, a world championship type kind of level caller to call an elk. And, no, and I don't. know that is true because I, I am not, I am not an elk championship <laughs> caller and I call in a lot of elk. So the, uh, the, I, I want you to like define what you mean by that because 
I'll give you some examples. I, I heard a story. I don't remember who told me this story, but they're they're on a mountain. Truck is down on the dirt road. Truck hits his brakes. Brakes squeal. Uh, sounds lo- nothing like a real bull, but there is some similarity, right? Um, bull elk screams back. Another instance, I was out scouting. It's like midnight. Um, I, I pulled my truck kind of off the side of the road and got out, turned the truck off. And I, I usually give it, you know, four or five minutes and then I'll, I'll bugle. This is nighttime. I'm just locating, right, for the next day. Um, coyotes down below me start going nuts. Elk up above me bugles back. And the third example is on my property here where I live in North uh, Idaho. I almost said North Carolina there. Um, in nor- North Idaho, I've got this tread. In fact, I can hear a train on it right now. It's, um, uh, I don't know, probably three quarters of a mile away from, from where I live. Sitting around the campfire last September uh, here here at home because where we moved, I don't have to really go camp anywhere. I can either go north or south or east or west and I can find elk, right? Um Right. <laughs> Train blows his whistle. And what do you think happened? Boom. Not, not one, but two different elk bugled back at the train. <laughs> and so right. Um, right. I am saying that to highlight that, um, you know, I, I don't think you need to be a world-class caller, but I want, I, I, be, be, I don't think people picked up on the fact what you were talking about in a sense that, you need to know how to use the calls more so than be a proficient elk caller. Does that make sense? Like, you know how to, you have to know how to communicate with them. Um, Absolutely. Can you, can you expand on that? Well, let me tell the story first. Okay. I like stories. You got me me fired up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. So, so last year, last year, I did not draw an elk tag at all. And my wife drew the tag and four other buddies drew a tag and I'm committed to helping these guys. I'm like, I don't have a tag and I have the time off. Let's go do this. I want to see how many elk are in this particular location. Let's get it done. Well, I got my wife with me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at that point, I already knew that, man, there's tons of elk around. So. In this particular location, my wife has already killed a 340 bull, and we nicknamed that particular hill Serena's Hill. And my wife's name is Serena. So mm-hmm. my wife tells me, I want to go to Serena's Hill. I say, hey, let's go to Serena's Hill then. Let's go see what's going on, and let's pop in, in Serena's Hill. Let's go see. You guys, and, You guys named it that? Yeah, we named it that. Okay, we okay. nicknamed it that. That's we funny. nicknamed that. <laughs> I like that. So we get a, we we get over to we pop over this ridge. We're in the open meadow, and I throw out a bugle, location bugle. It's still dark. It's early morning. It's still dark. I throw out a location bugle. I just want to see what's answering. And then boom, one pops off to the right. Boom, one pops off to the high left of me, and then boom, one pops off far distant far left of me and i said babe i said we got to get to this tree line i said when we get to this tree line i'm gonna I'm shut up let's just see what goes on and then this one particular bull that bull just kept going just kept going uh-huh. and i said and i was listening to him i said man 
that bull sounds like a human. I said, man sounds like a human. I said, I said, that's Doug Flutie. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know this. I didn't know this. So I, when I parked at the trailhead, no one was there with me. Mm-hmm. Like no one, no other vehicle. We parked there. We were the only vehicle there. The nearest trailhead is two and a half miles from where we were. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you can sneak in from a different area. I just thinking like the nearest trailhead is two and a half miles to get to us that soon would be like freakish. Like, yo, you got to sprint like a cheetah <laughs> or, or, or antelope, you know, you got to get it. And I'm, t- I'm thinking, I said, man, ain't no way. I said, I said, this Doug Flutie. I said, he hiked up that trail. He camped out something. I was just adamant about this Doug Flutie. My wife was like, I don't know. Kind of sounds like an elk. I said, watch. When I chuckle, he's going to chuckle. So when I chuckle, ooh, 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 he chuckled. I said, I said, I said, let's get down here because we already heard bull down where we want to go. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, let's beat them down there because I do not want anybody interrupting what we have going on. I said, let's beat them down there. So we haul ass down this trailhead. I said, I said trailhead down the wood line. Boom. Get, get to where we want to go. And Doug Flutie is chasing us. He's chasing us. <laughs> and he's going he's chasing us we get to this meadow and there's this this island of like this wood line of island Uh like it's out out in the middle of the meadow there out in the middle of the meadow it's just island of woods and I told my wife I said that's not Doug Flutie that's a bull. I said, I, I'm wrong, and I'm going to call this bull in. So I throw a bugle down, and I throw it down to make it sound like we're going downhill. Mm-hmm. And this bull, I see his legs. I said, oh, he's coming. I set my wife up, and I back off about 30, 40 yards. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Said, Were you in the island of trees? Uh, yes, I was okay, in the island the, of trees. The cops of in trees. The, the cops of trees. I was trees. in the island of trees with yeah. my wife. Okay, okay. Because we were trying to beat Doug Flutie. We, yeah, yeah. we thought this was a human. No, I get it. I just, I missed the part where, I, I remember you talked about the island of trees, but I wasn't sure if you actually went into them. So, cool. Okay, yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah, we, we, we were there. We were there. We were engulfed. And uh, my wife was like, I, I, I'm sure that's a bull, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. And then next thing you know, we got to this island of trees. And I'm like, this is a bull. And sure enough, I throw a bugle downhill. I throw the bu- bugle downhill. And this bull answers. And I'm like, <laughs> man. And I see his legs. And I see his legs. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a bull. So I back off her about 30, 30 to 40 yards. And lo and behold, I told, I didn't tell her nothing. I was expecting my wife to do everything. Like she's a seasoned hunter, but she's been out of the game for a little while. And uh, 
I said he's gonna come up, he's gonna come up top, or he's gonna swing down low. I don't know what he's gonna do. I I blew this bugle downhill uh-huh. with the expectations of him coming up high and looking down the hill. He swings down between these islands. He swings down low, and I'm like, he comes in. I look at him. He is a huge six by three. Oh, really? He, he has, yeah, he has a huge right right side. His right side's huge six by, and his left side's a uh, uh, three by. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Jesus, this, this, if like I'm really good at scoring bulls on the hoof. His his main beam on his right side was huge. I I would have said this bull would have broke 300 inches by a six by three, and that's unheard of. Yeah, that'd be totally. That's that'd that'd be a pretty stellar bull, man. That's unheard of. Yeah. And when I seen him, I said, "Oh, that's a shooter. That's a shooter all day long." I'm like, Jesus, he's freaky. He is a freaky bull. So my wife pulls back. I'm like, oh, man, well, she's going to smoke this bull. Well, anyways, <laughs> she shoots over the bull. Oh, no, right over the back? Right over the back. Oh, dang. She thought he was further than what he was. Yeah. Anyways, I throw my hands up. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Did he bug her out Yeah, after the arrow went over? He buggered oh, out. Oh, I, I stopped the bull again. I stopped the bull again. The bull, the bull, the arrow went over the bull, and I stopped the bull again. And then he goes out, and then he kind of ventures off. He's like, "Something ain't right about this. <laughs> Something smells fishy." But, but let's go back. Let's circle back. You don't have to be a world champion caller. Mm-hmm. You really don't. You yeah, really don't. I, I think that's kind of the, uh, the the moral of the of your story, if you will. That um, yeah, <clears throat> you know, the, this bowl that you you swore up and down with Doug Flutie. He was huge. He was human. <laughs> ended up being a big human. old bull. And so it's funny. You said, I've, have you ever had uh, an instance, this is just side note, instance where you got a bull bugling at you, right? And he just sounds like a scrawny little bitch. You know what I mean? He j- yes. just like this li- he just yes. sounds like a little spike or something. And yes. all of a sudden he pops out and he's giant. Um, <laughs> so I always think that I'm like kind of good at judging the size of the bull, uh, by, by the way he bugles. And I, I have found that evidence shows that I suck at it in all reality. So. No, we all, we all suck at it. We all <laughs> suck at it. So, so no, Hey, I have some fun, phenomenal, phenomenal elk hunters that say the same thing. Yeah. So. In this particular area, the same area, is this one bull that we, I mean, that that particular area we could draw back in the day, we can draw it easy. Mm-hmm. Now you can't draw that area easy at all. So I was chasing this bull. This bull, he sounded like a moo moo cow. Oh. You know, just... Just sound like a moo cow. No bugle, nothing. Nothing. Never laid eyes on this bull. Never laid eyes on this bull. And that goes on the other side of what we were talking about. Like, yeah, you sound like a wimp, but also this dude sound like like a moo cow. Like, Jesus. Is uh do we have cattle in here? No, there was no cattle in there. 
This dude, it was crazy. And it was a bull. So after about three years, I lost track of this bull. I, I, I think he may have got harvested during our, our I mean, uh, rifle season, but I don't know for sure. Never heard any stories about it. You know. It, yeah, you just, just never it, know. It goes, it's crazy. It, just, it goes to tell you, listen, you don't have to be the world champion elk caller, and you don't have to sound the best in the woods. But what I will tell you is this. Better you can mimic them, the better your chances are in the woods. Okay, that brings us to the next good point here. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. And in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season. And then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code TheWesternHuntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the amp lineup. For predator calls like the three-pack POR, one, two, three, or the fawn in distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time if you're listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally 89 bucks, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. Hoffman Boots. Let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet 
never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade. Particularly, I like the Hoffman Explorer and the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit Boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new Women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. Hang on. There we go. Okay, I I still got you, right? Yep. Sorry, I had a little audio issue there. Um... That, so that brings us to the next point um, that I want to I want to talk about with you because this I think would be a fun little exercise and I've had a lot of requests for it and I, I kind of explained okay. it before we started recording there. Um, not so uh, again you are the a world champion elk caller um, the but y- you know I, I think you could agree that uh you know i've i've hunted with people that have won elk calling contests not the world champion um well that's not true i bear hunted with dirk one time durham and he was a world champion (laughs) but we weren't calling elk so that didn't count we tried to call a bear um anyways you're you're on that level uh and then you understand the i don't know the essence of how to communicate with a bull to kind of trigger their emotions to get them to come in to get them to respond and 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 all that kind of stuff because i think we could both agree we we've heard some so-called really good championship kind of callers that can't call in a bull uh to save their life um, that's right and so i i want to talk about this emotional side of calling an elk and then like the communication side with your bugle, because you've got your bugle sitting there, right? Yes, I do. So let's do this from like a scenario standpoint, Jermaine. I want to, I want to do this. I, I think that scenario-driven questions um, are are a great way to get the, get the point across, so people get a lot out of it. And I, I, that's just what the audience has told me. So um, you're you're in the woods. I I want you to kind of do explain um, your locating process. And give us what you do, whether it's a cow sound or or a bugle, 
you, you know, like a locator bugle or, or whatnot, whatever you call it. Um, and then I'll respond as a bull. And then that is, that is where I think a lot of people get hung up. They, they've made a locator sound. Oh, boom. Right. They, they get a little response. Now what? Right. I think that, that a lot of people get hung up. They, they either get way too excited or they panic or they like challenge the bull or, you know, they, they forget about thermals and wind and, and, uh, you know, all these things. And so, um, again, this is just, I'm just kind of feeding off of what the requests have been for these kind of episodes. So if you give us your locator bugle or noise, do you, do you locate bugle or do you use cow calls? Yes, yes, I do. But, but what I will tell you is I never start off with a location bugle. I never start off with location bugle. I always start off with cow sounds. I always start off cow sounds. So do you because you never you never know what like like the, the heat of the moment, we always talk about like I just wanna rip a bill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold on. Why would you start screaming at a motherfucker? Like <laughs> let's just let's be easy. It's it's foreplay here. It's foreplay. Listen, I I don't go on my wife and say, yo, let's get it on. Yeah. Right? We we gotta start this easy. So I start off with calf and cow sounds. Calf and cow sounds. And there's as simple as this. And then I start escalating it from that point. Okay, so hold, hold on. Yep, I, I got it. I think it picked it up pretty good. Um are you on a microphone or are you on like earbuds or something? No, I'm on my, my, my phone. Okay. Um, okay. So you do that and you don't get a response. Then you're going to go to like a locator I'm bugle quiet. by, by that. Yep. Is that what you mean by escalating? Yep. Okay. I'm so, quiet. so I'm do, quiet at that point. do that. And then I want to, I want to let off a bugle sound that is very typical for me to hear. And I think okay. that if it's typical for somebody like me who sucks at this, uh, it'll be typical for a lot of us out there, right? And so, th- and, and then at that point, walk us through what you do based on that sound. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. Yep. Go ahead with your so locator. I, oh, go ahead. I, I'll do the cow sounds. Mm-hmm. And if I don't hear, if I don't hear the bull sound off, I'll hit it. I'll hit him with a location bugle. Okay. I stop right there. And here's the response. All right. So, Did you hear that? Yep. I turned my mic so down a little bit. Yep. So at that point, I I want to realize where he is. So he 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 located back. He located back. I didn't even chuckle back to him. I didn't have to do anything. I just threw a location bugle. When he located back, he's saying, basically, I humanize everything. He's saying, I'm saying, hey, where are you at? He's saying, I'm over here. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And when he says that, I'm pinpointing exactly where that sound came from. I'm using my wind in my advantage and I'm going to move into his location using the wind in my advantage 
Because the last thing you want to do is just stomp in exactly where he is and not use your wind to your advantage because they, they do have really good smell. Mm-hmm. And that's what they that, – that, listen, if you move in, I, I, I've killed bulls, and, and bulls didn't really care what the wind was. But 99% of the time, they're paying attention to their nose. Mm-hmm. They're paying attention I, I would to their totally nose. agree with that. Yep. So, so he locates. Let's just say you you sounded off and you located northwest, right? Northwest. Okay. I pinpointed where you sounded off. I said, all right, northwest. Northwest is where he sounded off. And I have a west wind. A west wind is blowing right in my face. Boom. I'm probably going to circle up south. I mean, uh, uh, up north, east, and come in and get on your line. If I'm not on your line, I'm probably going to use a big circle to come around from the bottom, depending on terrain. But he locates. Now let's That's give Jermaine. Let's, let's give everybody a time frame idea, because I, I think this is another thing that, uh, and this is just somebody speaking from watching other hunters that I could tell they didn't have a ton of experience. So I'm not I'm not trying to like dog anybody here, but um, the panic mode that sets in when they get the response. It is my I, opinion. I'm gonna call it the horny mode. The, yeah, horny, the mode. horny mode. What we can call it, whatever we want. Um, they 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 get a a a, a horny panic going. <laughs> so <laughs> they they feel like they they have to like close the distance within like five minutes or it's it's a done deal kind of thing. Um, but to set the stage, you heard Jermaine's initial locating call, and then you heard my you know, bull call where, you know, this response where it's not like he's super fired up. It was just a super casual, Hey, I'm over here. Right. So, um, I'm going to say something and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. I don't need to rush to get close to that bull. I can take an hour to get to that sucker if I need to, to make sure the wind is correct. Would you agree with that? I would. I totally agree. Okay. Listen, you do not need to rush this situation. Regardless of of when he sounds off, like bulls, and if they don't have when he sounds off, if they don't have a bunch of cows, and they even when they do have cows, if they don't have pressure, like human pressure mm-hmm. or any other pressure, they really not moving that fast. People make make it sound like they just leaping over hills and hills. They're not moving that fast. Yeah. The only time they move relatively fast is when they have pressure. And that's usually due to predators, hence ourselves, humans, or other predators like bears and mountain lions or other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. They really don't move that fast. And if they don't smell you, hear you, other than hearing your elk calls, they don't really move that fast. They'll casually linger around yeah so I totally if agree. It take, so if it takes you an hour to get around and get the wind in your favor it takes you an hour but i promise you those elk are going to be within that area i want to i want i want to interject something that you just said because that it's such a good point man um 
the the predator situation. Like, I, I, if if you get a response from an elk, and uh, mm-hmm. he he talks back to you, there's nothing on his ass. There's no wolves. There's no, no right. there's not a grizzly bear right there. There, well, I mean, there might be a black bear hanging around or whatever. Things that don't make elk super nervous. Um, so he's not in a hurry. If 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 he was trying to get away from predators, he would not have responded, right? So Absolutely. I, 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 one time, uh, so I, I have, I have like a, a, a knee issue in my left knee from that kind of dates from the military where I, I sometimes get this really bad arthritis and it, it, you know, when it happens, like if I'm super sedentary and I don't, I don't uh, work it out or I drive for four hours in a day or something and I just don't use it much, it gets super sore. I was having one of those kind of days on the mountain. I heard this bull respond to me and he was way over like, like. 800 yards uh, straight mm-hmm. across this drainage, and it was like probably 500 feet down and 700 feet back up the other side to even get to him, which yeah. meant I had to go way around this um, this uh, kind of the, the top of this drainage to get around to, to play the wind right. And my knee was hurting, so I'm like, you know what? Screw that bull. Hopefully he, he calls his cousin over here closer to me because uh, he sat it <laughs> off, right? Well, I walk up, I walk up the ridge a little further and just kind of forgot about that bull, sat down, made lunch, uh, you know, like one of the peak refuels or whatever. Yeah. Hour, hour and a half goes by. And all of a sudden this bull, he's in the exact same spot, lets out this bugle like, Hey, you know, I didn't forget about you. you. Where you at, man? And at at this point, my knee had been feeling better because I'd been hiking uphill and I called that sucker to, I mean, he I, probably 17, 18 yards in front of me. And uh, it was one of those situations where I'm standing right in the sunlight. So he breaks out of the brush and I'm the first thing he sees. If I would have been two feet over in the shadows, I'd have nailed that sucker. Anyway, it was a heartbreak. But um, that I, I'm just trying That's to highlight the, the point where, you know, the, these suckers, they, they're just hanging out. They're not going anywhere. Uh, and and so right. don't panic. Like you have time. Anyway. Didn't mean to take over there. No, that you're exactly right. I mean, you listen, let's let's circle back. You don't have to be a world champion elk caller to call them back. Mm-hmm. Then don't feel like you're pressured because when he calls, you have time. Listen, a lot of times we get into like um that that pressure mode like mm-hmm. oh i gotta go i gotta go i gotta go even even in the morning like i give you a prime example like my wife i was hunting with my wife last year and we got into a monster bull he's a 380 bull plus and i hope hopefully i get the chance to crack at him this 380? year 380 <laughs> holy crap man what you yeah, did are you hunting man i did get some details for- no i'm kidding <laughs> 380 bull. He's big. <laughs> and um, I hear him. Monster. He just sounds like a dragon. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. he sounds off. And I don't move in his location. I move where I think he's going. And then I circle around this, this hilltop. And I say hilltop is mountains out here. I move around this mountain, looking at my onyx, paying attention to terrain, and I'm saying he's going. He he sounds like he's going here. 
Mm-hmm. Let's just circle around here. And we get into a stellar position. But a what position? I'm lo- I'm, I'm lower than him. Oh, gotcha, I'm lower gotcha. than I'm lower than him. So I'm I'm calling for my wife. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm just gonna lay it out. Like he laid, like he has a he has a cow that's in estrus. And what I want you to do is I want you to sit on the edge of this meadow. And I'm gonna get on the other side of this meadow. And I'm gonna lay this estrus scream out that he can't or his his satellite bulls can't resist. And I lay this estrus scream out. I just scream it out. Can you can you demonstrate that sound for us? Yeah, I'm always I can. curious about that. All right. Do you do, it, wait, wait, do you do it on an external read or do you do it with your mouth uh, diaphragm? No, I, I do it with diaphragm. Okay, okay. So extra scream is done with a buzz. It's just uh uh. So I'm gonna do it right now. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I throw this sequence out. I throw this sequence out. And I lay it out there. And I'm going to reflect back to the story I was telling you. Yep. I throw this I throw this sequence out. And I hear him. His attitude changes dramatically. And if you you're in the woods long enough, you could pay attention to the bull's attitude. <clears throat> you might not see him, but you can vocalize what like his attitude, like his tone he's throwing out. <clears throat> when I throw this extra scream out, he throws out a nasty bugle. <laughs> he's like, girl, get over here. <laughs> and at that point, I knew he had a lot of cows with him. I heard no cows, but when he threw that ripping roar, he was like, I'm not coming to you, but I'm hearing you, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I kept laying it down. And we had a satellite bull come in within 15 yards of my wife. 10 yards of my wife, 15 yards of me. Jeez. Boom. He, he sweeps in. It's a little three by three. Sweeps in. My wife doesn't shoot. Good thing she doesn't shoot because we're trying to pull this big bull in. And uh, we're we're talking about it later. I said that boy is gonna be tough to call in. He's gonna be tough to call in. Well, anyways, later on that that evening, we got in close to that bull, that same bull. Mm-hmm. That's how I know he's about a 380 bull. Anyways, that bull had about 60 cows with him. Yeah, he was he was ginormous. Even with me laying down those those sequences, I lay it out again. Hmm. I'm laying out that scream, it's extra scream. I'm letting them know I'm ready to be bred. Mm-hmm. And even though I laid that out and he screamed, he had so many cows that he was tending to, they were probably doing the same thing I was doing, <laughs> just in a little bit lower tone. Can I ask you a question about that call? Yeah. Would you recommend, would you use that as like a cold calling sequence or would you recommend waiting till you know that there is a bull 
uh, within the you know general vicinity? Usually, I do not use my estrus screams or estrus buzz or whatever you want to call it. They're in heat. I don't use that until like mid September. Mm-hmm. Mid September. Mid September, I know those cows are, are either in heat or ready to be bred. So you have those early cows that are like, like they're ready to be bred. Yeah. And they'll lay out the sequence like that. Or late September and they go into a sequence like that. Early early September, I don't lay out a sequence like that. It's no necessary. Those cows are just mewing and they, you know, they might throw out a couple like little buzzes, but they don't really get like vocalizes. So on a cold a cold calling sequence, no. I don't do it unless we talking about mid September to late September. And then I will do that. I just, I, I, I wonder, cause I, 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 I've always wondered about trying that as a, like I've, I've done that similarly uh, when I know the bull is there, but I've never done that when like, maybe I can't get a response on anything else kind of thing and try it as, I don't know, a last resort, a Hail Mary, you know, the issue is, is the issue is, shit, they might, yeah, yeah, uh, but they might, they might come in, you don't know what direction they might come in, if they don't make a peep, they just come in silent, I don't know, I, I'm gonna try it, man. I, I, I wanna try it. I, I did that on the afternoon, so we, we spotted that bull, I mean, we had him, we, we called him the satellite bull in the afternoon, I moved in as close as I could without making a sound, uh-huh. I, I, I bugled that bull, I spotted, I, I, I got him located, we moved in. I got my wife as low, uh, as close as we could, and on a hail mary because he would not come in. On a hail mary, he just wasn't I started, it. I started throwing out extra buzzes. I was throwing out everything I could. This bull, but lo and behold, this bull had like six, 60 cows with him. It was no way God, I was moving. That's nuts, man. That's nuts. He had 60 so cows. many cows. He had so many cows, it was ridiculous. Is that... I've never seen a bull that with that many cows. Okay, well, that answers my question. I was going to say, is that like normal in Colorado? Because I've never... I, no, that's no, not I've true. I mean, seen I've, seen, I've seen 30 cows with I've with seen about 30, yeah. yeah 30. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm like always, 30 being your tops. I'm always curious about like regional nuances with, with elk and behavior. And, 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 you know, I know I know a lot of experts, they, they say things like, well, elk or elk. And I agree with that. But I do think that there are... Uh, like, like I know in North Idaho, they do not herd up like, like I've seen them in Utah or like in Utah, I used to see these herds of 60, 80, uh, 90 elk, you know, in September. Um, yeah, but, but you still going to have a couple of satellite bulls, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I'm talking okay. four or five bulls within that, that, that group. And yeah, you just yeah. don't see that in North Idaho. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the wolves or, uh, just because of how thick it is here, or or what the deal is, but anyway, that was totally. Well, I mean, a, vast amount of country, mm-hmm. and then the, the you know with the wolves separating them, yeah, it, it very well played both both ends. It could also be that it's just so damn thick here. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. there are a bunch of them, that, yeah. and you're only seeing ten percent of them. I don't know. No, um, I, I think Colorado is like, like, <laughs> I don't don't. 
don't take my word for example because I've seen like I've seen some crazy things. We we ran into a herd about four years ago. Me and my wife. It's the craziest story I ever have. And to this day, I mean, I got a lot of crazy stories, but it was no rain, no sleep, nothing. And that evening before my wife got there, I had located a couple bulls in that area. And mm-hmm. I, I told my wife, I said, when she got there, I said, hey, I got a couple bulls located. Let's just go in there and let's see what happens. It was no rain or nothing in the forecast. We didn't pack any gear. We tried to stay as light as possible. And um, we went in there and started sleeting. It started raining. started sleeting. It started snowing. And it just got worse. And this this snow became wet snow. And then I found these bulls that I located the night before. But those bulls weren't the only bulls. Those bulls turned and it just multiplied. We ran into a herd about 200. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing I ever seen. It was an over-the-counter unit. Mm -hmm. Over-the-counter unit. It was nuts. So I told my wife, I was already tagged out at that point. (laughs) She's the only one to tag. I said, babe, we got to stay on these these elk. And no matter what I said to this herd, it did not matter. It did not matter. I could scream whatever call I wanted. It did not matter. They were in the rut, and it was multiple bulls in this unit. We seen two bulls that were over 380 fighting. We seen two bulls that were over 360 fighting. Jeez. We seen... We seen two fights. And this is over the counter units? Over the counter. It was nuts. Dang. We're really selling Colorado nuts. tonight. It was nuts. So yeah. we we got into this particular point where I was like, oh my God, my wife is soaking wet. She's soaking wet from the snow because the snow is so it's it's a wet snow. Mm-hmm. She's soaking wet. That slushy and early I, fall. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And she pulls back on about a three ten bull. And she's shaking so hard. And I told her, I said, let down. I said, let down. I said, ain't no way. I said, we can't get it done. Anyways, I pulled her out of that situation because I would have had to carry her out of there. Even if she would have made the kill, I would have had to carry her out of there because she was she was freezing. Yeah. She was freezing cold. It's crazy when those, those storms, and I mean, that can happen to anybody too, those storms that, that just kind of roll in as a surprise in September. I mean, who's geared for, oh. nobody's got winter gear, you know, in September. So um, I suppose though, Colorado, you guys have some crazy uh, um, elevations you're hunting elk at. Like we have similar in Idaho, but like you have a lot of it, right? And uh, Utah right. and those elevations, I remember hunting Utah in like mid-October and all of a sudden, um, you know, this winter storm comes in and I have like two miles back to camp. And by the time I get back to camp, there's like two feet of snow on the ground and I'm <laughs> panicking about how I'm going to get my, my trailer off the mountain. You know, that leads a question. I, I know I'm keeping you a little long here. No, you're um, fine. I, uh, I, I want to, we, we need to get to the lightning round of questions here, but, um, that, uh, do you, do you do 
or have recommendations as to like a base camp or backcountry hunting? Um, what what's kind of your go to with that? Okay, so I'm not a bivy camp kind of guy, and you just said it. You said it. It was prime example because Colorado weather, and and I think any I could speak to any out west states. The the weather could really change on you in a heartbeat. Yeah. And if you're not prepared for that, then don't go bivy camping. If you're prepared for it, then by all means. But what what I don't like about bivy camping and going out deep is you limit yourself to that particular area. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is do a base camp and then I attack that unit. I attack that unit in all different aspects. So I'm night bugling. I'm finding these elk in different locations. And then I attack that unit with, okay, I'm going to hit this ridge. And then when I put enough pressure on them and I haven't killed one here, then I know they have one or two choices, right? They got Mm -hmm. the other ridge over or the other ridge this way. And then I stay on them because we're talking about public, public land hunting. Yeah. And if you're not on them, somebody else is on them. Have mm-hmm. an X amount of time to get it done. So I like to base camp. I like to have a meal at night. I like to have a cot or something to sleep on, not that ground. So <laughs> I knew so we were gonna get not, along, man. That's uh I I I uh I, I don't admit it a lot on the trailer or I mean on the podcast, but I have a camp trailer, man. I have a hunting trailer and I freaking absolutely. love it, man. I, I can come back if I need air conditioning, I got it. If I need it. the heater, I got it. I got running water, hot water, fridges, you know, you know, and, and people people are like, Oh, you know, that's uh, that's only what pussies do. And it, it's like, you know, I lived out of my backpack. For five years, for years in the Marine Corps infantry, bitch. So don't tell me. I'm not, I'm yeah, I'm not living it. Like I can hack it if I need to. And I, I there is there is like a there's a you know majestic uh, adventure to backpack hunting, and I recommend everybody tries it uh, and and goes out and does it. Uh, but man, I I'm just kind of digging the whole trailer thing. I've been doing it for years, but now where uh, where we live now, I God, I don't know, man, I really don't need to have a camp. I mean, we, we just, I just go, I've, I've got elk on my property. Not that I hunt the property cause they're not here in the September. They're, uh, it's weird. I, I've got like 15 elk hanging out on the back part of my property right now that have not left their uh, winter range. And I'm not sure why, but anyway, Cows? yeah, well, no, there's a couple little bulls with them, but they've obviously they've dropped. Um, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just young bulls, little raghorn, Mm-hmm. size bulls uh i can't find their antlers but they i know they dropped them somewhere around here i gotta just go find them anyway point being um i i like that answer because i i totally agree that's what is that term a lot of my friends have used a pigeonhole they they feel like when, when you're backpacking in um and you know you're on a limited hunt when i say limited let's say you're coming from a different state and you've only got Seven days ten to days. hunt or 10 days ten. to hunt. Oh, seven, even worse. Even worse. You know, whatever whatever time they took off work to go to this different state to hunt elk, and they, they, they want the, you know, the the majestic um, experience of backpacking in for, for elk, the, the adventure that it is because it's been kind of glorified uh, in the last few years or whatever. 
Um, but you get back there and you're, you're back seven, 10 miles and you're pigeonholed in this area there and there's no elk, man, what are you going to do? You, you know, you, exactly. you, you have to waste a whole day moving. And so anyway, that's, that's my take on it. Let's get into the lightning round questions, man. You good? You good for that? Let's you good go. for another 15 Let's minutes go. or so? Hold on. Let me hit, let me hit one on that one. Okay. Go, let me go hit for one it. on that one. For all you guys that's coming out here from, from the East coast, West coast, wherever you want to come from. And you guys want to come out here and do the bivy camping and go out there five, 10 miles in. Most elk killed within a mile of the road. Yeah. Just letting you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't, Jermaine, don't tell people that. I, I want them in the back country. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, I don't want to be hauling elk out 10 miles. I know where they're hey. at close to the all road. All right, all right, all right. I extended out within three miles. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jermaine was uh, not telling the truth. On, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's very true. Very true. I mean, seriously, hey. within a mile. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. We're going into lightning round questions here. And that just means these are like one sentence answers. Um, so we can cover some. I, I had some extra ones. I hope I can remember at the end because I have my list pulled up here. But I forgot to add the other two. First one is, uh, which you kind of covered this. But maybe maybe this will strike some other information you can kind of season in there. Uh, what changes strategy-wise from week one of September to week four? Yeah. Yeah, so we covered I, that I, at I, all. I, I know I explained this, so, and 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 I touched base on this on a video that I have not dropped yet, right? So, at the very beginning of September, I do a lot more bugling than I do cow calling. And the reason being is because those bulls within that first week of September, so week, you know, for from the first to the the 10th like i'm extending it out to the 10th mm-hmm. so that 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 first september 1st to the 10th some of those bulls are still bachelored up right mm-hmm. and some of them are not some of the bigger bulls are 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 you know they they trying to find their cows or they've already found their cows but the ones that are bachelored up i say this and I communicate with those guys as this is I'm moving into your neighborhood. I'm your new homie. How are you? And I throw it out there. Hey, how are you? And they don't welcome new neighbors as if those neighbors were already there. Mm-hmm. So, so that's week one, right? Those okay. are bachelor herds. And then we go into like that 10th through the 18th or 10th through the 15th. And I'm going to send it out to the 18th because I like that window. 10th through the 18th, those eight days. Those eight days, usually within that 10th to the 18th, your big bulls already have cows. Now, I mix it up. I'm mixing up my cow sounds. With my bull sounds. I don't change it up. It's cow sounds with bull sounds. More cow are sounds you, with are, bull sounds. Are you trying to like mimic a small group of, uh, you know, like say there's a bull I'm when he's got sound, four or five cows kind of thing? 
Absolutely. Okay. I locate him. He sounds off. I move in his direction, use the wind in my favor, and I want him to sound. I, I'm going to mimic him, but at the same time, I want him to know I got cows too. Okay. And then he's pissed because he's pissed because he wants to hit my cows too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now he, he's like, huh, I got four or five cows. Maybe I could have his eight cows. So after after I intimidate him to come over, boom, that eight, that t- that tenth to, to to the eighteenth window, cow and bull sounds, mix them up, mix them up. Do not fucking change anything. Mix them up within that window. All right. Okay. Now we're talking about. Now we're hey. talking about. So, uh, real quick side note before you go into the last week there we were just talking about those elk hanging out on my back property they're all over they the place did. right now they i've got i've got a tacticam reveal did. you know it's it's a cell cam so i get real yep. real time pictures i'm going to text you a picture anyway go into the last week and i'll i'll text you a picture of when they were all grouped up over there it's pretty funny that's crazy so that last week so I said that 10th to the 15th or that 10th to the 18th. Mm-hmm. All right, let's back it up. The 15th through the end of the month. So the 15th to the 30th or the 18th to the 30th, which gives you an extended month. Like, the, the you know, two, two weeks. I will tell you this. In my opinion, and, you know, I stir a lot of controversy but I don't care. I call more bulls in with calf and cow sounds throughout that end of the month than I do my bull sounds. Mm-hmm. So that's controversial. Yes, I, well, I, I, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think both know. could work, but I, I wouldn't say that's controversial. But I, I know, I know people get super stuck on their opinions, and and it's like. Oh no, we're gonna fight. We're gonna meet at the flagpole after school. Uh you, know, you meet at the flagpole, I'm gonna keep bugling and bulls and calling in cows. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, t- towards the end of the month, I find that I I pick up my bulls my my bugle tube to locate, and then when I locate them at that particular point in the month. I already know they they may have cows. I mean, may have cows. Mm-hmm. And I'll judge it based off the situation. But when I move into that, I'm I'm cow sounding. But with this being said, when I move it, so I locate, let's say 15th, 15th to the end of the month, 15th to the end of the month, or 18th to the end of the month. When I'm I bugle, he sounds off, and I move into that location, and I cow sound, and he sounds off. If he doesn't have cows, 99% of the chance, he's coming in. Mm -hmm. If he has cows, he's going to hang up, and I know if he hung up, then he has cows. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the indicator for you. So he's he's hung up. You you're seeing that uh, he's got cows. That's why he's not coming in because right, right, uh, right. Okay, okay. So so fifteenth, eighteenth, the fifteenth to eighteenth of September, to the end of the month. 
I'll throw out a location bugle because I told y'all once I'm not using a lot of bugle bugle sounds mm-hmm. within that that month. I mean the inner month. That, that inner month, yeah. Woo! I throw out. Hey, where you at? He throws out that sound back to me. I move in, use the wind in my location. I throw out some cow sounds. If he hangs up, he's got cows. He's got cows. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it, he has cows. Especially if he answers to every cow sound. If mm. he if he hangs up, there's only two two things that happens. If he hangs up and he and he doesn't have cows, he got his ass whooped before. <laughs> he got his ass whooped before. And he's he's skeptical about moving in to some cow sound. He's like, mm, got my butt whooped before. I don't know about all that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was, so I use that as a reference. Now, if I move in on that same scenario, I move in and I'm throwing out these cow sounds. He sounds off. He doesn't have cow sounds. He hasn't got his butt whooped. He's probably coming in. He's coming in because you know why? He needs to breed. Mm-hmm. He needs to breed. He's going to breed. He's going to come in and he might come in silent. He might locate. I move in. I throw some cow sounds out. He might not say nothing else, but be ready because he might sneak in mm-hmm. because he's sneaking in to steal a cow from herd bull. So, gotcha. I mean, there's a, a lot of scenarios you got to play out there and you have to play these games. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game. It's a game of chess, not checkers. It's a game of chess. I don't like think you're going to go. You don't think you're going to go in there and say, Hey, checkmate. No, there's another move be made. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and they're and, right. and they're and they're living this game every day. Three hundred sixty-five. You are you are on their turf. That is what they do for a living. And yeah, I always like that. I, I always like to kind of <laughs> hear that that theory because it is you are a um, you know part timer. In their neck of the woods, yeah. where they are a full timer, so it's it's that's what that's what makes it tough. That's what I like about it. it are you ready it, for it question really two? Tough. Come on, hit me. If you were limited to two hours of hunting in a day, what two hours do you pick? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going five to seven. A.M. P.M. P.M. Five to seven P.M. Five okay. to seven P.M. I like it. I hey. This this uh, almost everybody has a different answer on this, so I'm I'm five, super five to seven p.m. And you and are trying to get them really... transitioning down to their feed area. Is that what you're? That's what you're doing. Oh, well, well, you you only got two hours. I mean, oh, five to seven p.m. Yeah, I I say this. I think like half and half. Like I could go from like daylight, which whatever the daylight is at that particular moment in mm-hmm. time, like mm-hmm. six to eight or seven to nine or that last two hours. So the very beginning two hours or the last two hours. Okay. But if, if I had to pick it, it's warmer in the evening. So I'm going to go. Okay. Five to seven. Five I, to seven. I dig it. This is going to, there's going to be another kind of question along those lines here in okay. a little bit, but n- number three or whatever. I lost count. Um, raining, continuing to hunt or take a break? Nope. I hunt all through. So all a- through. active rainstorm, are you, are you hunting, 
uh, like calling during during an active rainstorm, or are you just kind of doing a little bit of um, you know spot and stock, or uh, you know still hunting, whatever? All right, let me give you our story before we get too deep. It was uh, it started raining on this particular hunt, and then it started sleeting. It started sleeting right then. I stopped where I was doing. It was raining, lightning, pow, pow, pow. We was hiding underneath trees. And it stopped. I threw out a location bugle. I heard a bugle. And then all of a sudden, the storm just started again. I took off down the hill. You know what followed me? Mm-hmm. Elk. Elk were following me down the hill. They were chasing me. Because you they bugled? They were chasing me down the hill. No. I bugled. And then all of a sudden, the lightning storm happened and i was like i'm getting out of here and i started stomping and and going crazy Uh and cows spikes everything was chasing me down the hill i stopped underneath the tree and i had two or three spikes just past me i was like what in the world listen (laughs) listen that's nuts listen during an active storm i'm trying to take shelter if it's raining i'm still hunting but by all means, out west, lightning is no joke. Yeah. You can get killed out here. Yep. You really can get killed out here. But but don't be scared of that. Just take shelter. Yeah. During a rainstorm, I'm hunting. I'm thinking During of, a snowstorm, I'm hunting. I'm thinking of putting together like a whole episode on uh, mountain hunting safety. It, that Because of things I've seen people do over the last few years... <laughs> <laughs> like, like, dude, well, I, I need to put this episode out because I'm worried about people. Okay. We'll go on to the next, next piece of, uh, or next lightning round question. Um, <laughs> most, <laughs> most critical piece of gear outside of weapon. Uh, my boots. Okay. My, my boots well, outside my weapon. Mm-hmm. My yeah. Boots. Outside, outside Listen. the weapons too easy. So I, I always throw that in there. Listen, I, I stress this a lot. And with the with this would be my gloves. And if it's warm enough, I don't need my gloves, so I'm gonna go with my boots. Listen, if you don't take care of your feet out west, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. If your feet are chewed up, you're done. You can't get out to where those elk are. You're done. That goes for really good insoles, really good boots, whether they uh, you go in late season or um, early season. I have I don't have insulated boots, but if you have insulated boots, it's basically late season taking care of your feet. It's your boots. OK, I like I, I, can, I, I, I agree can, with I can that. Go, I agree. With I can that. go with Walmart gear head to toe besides my boots. I know. Yep. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. And I've even had people challenge me on that one where it's like, oh, I could wear, I could wear some, you know, $30 Walmart boots out and and go as far as you actually no, you can't, man. No, you can't. (laughs) Because that's always said by somebody who hasn't had a really good pair of boots. Um, so there's a, there's a big big difference. Small story before we go further. Okay. I used to buy Walmart gear. No, me too. Me too, man. Walmart. Walmart low, uh, um, their, their hunting gear. When I started, I 
but like I real did not, tree and whatever. Real tree. Yeah. Real tree stuff. But I did not skimp on my boots. Yep. I did not skimp on my boots. My boots were good. But yeah. my but my gear might have been suspect. <laughs> my 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 pants and, and shirt might have been suspect. My coat might have been suspect, but my boots didn't wasn't suspect. Yeah. Yep, great point, great uh, great piece of advice. I think that that one is pretty consistent with everybody that I've asked that question. Uh, nobody said like their pack, or nobody said that they're you know, um, uh, GPS or what, whatever. Yeah, you really can, you really can. Not saying that you know um, you should, but uh, the boots. If you if you had to choose like one piece of good gear to get you through elk season. Uh, and you know, and, and then skimp on everything else. It would definitely be the boots in my book for sure. Uh, full moon yes. hunting. What are your, what is your, what side of the fence are you on when it comes to full moon elk hunting? So I'm not, I don't really, I'm like, I don't care about full moon hunting. See, what I, I do, think, no, go ahead and finish your thought. And then I want to, I want to add something to that because it's, it's interesting how this question is getting answered now. No, it's 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 very controversy question, but what I do like is listen. If this is th- this question popped up on um on an elk uh, elk elk shaped, I was with Dan Staten. Uh-huh. I was with Dan Staten, and the question popped up, and they asked me. I said, "Listen, you got ten days to hunt Colorado." 10 days. What 10 days would you hunt? And I told them, I said, I'm going to hunt the darkest 10 days that it is. Not the lightest 10 days, the darkest 10 days, whether it be in the front end or the back end or the middle. Mm -hmm. I said, those are my, those are, that's what I want to do. I want the darkest days. It don't have to be before the full equinox or whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I know this. Elk or elk, you're going to kill elk where they are, mm-hmm. and you're going to get into them. Regardless of what time of the season, whether it's beginning of season, middle of season, late season. I know this, though. I know this. That I've killed more elk at the beginning of season, at the beginning of season, than I have killed late season. With that being said, at the beginning of season, typically, typically, not always, typically, I find it being the darkest parts of the season. So, I'm I'm looking at the lunar calendar it looks don't, like yeah don't, don't look at it this year i don't know what it is this year I didn't i'm, look I'm looking it, it looks like we got a full moon <laughs> on the 10th and 11th or t- uh, some i can't tell so the, the beginning of the season is dark right? yeah 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 so beginning okay. of season is dark we got a full moon i again i can't tell if that full moon is landing on the 10th or the 11th um, and then going back dark basically around the 17th or so so that's not a very good graphic i'm looking at okay last lightning round question because yeah yeah. No, well, that's what I, mean, I was going to say. Everybody's opinion is so much yeah. different on and that it's, one. And it's actually, what's funny is it has really evolved over the last five years or so. Like if can I, I would have had, what was that? 
Can I elaborate on this? Oh, totally, totally. Like, but, but right. what I was going to say so for, is, if if they, if they, if I would have asked that question, if I'd had this podcast five years ago, everybody would have said, "Don't hunt the full moon. Don't hunt the full moon." Now it's kind of no. shifted. So, what were you going to elaborate on? No, like during the full moon, like full moon hunts. You know, I change my my game plans during this. Well, I don't, I don't change my game plans. I go out there and hunt how mm-hmm. I hunt. I know this though. When I get up in the morning and I go out there and there's a full moon, they're gonna go to bed a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They're gonna go yeah. to bed a little bit earlier. But what what I like to do is like to stir them up right around at noon. Because I don't know anybody that wants to sit in their bed so long without being stirred up. So I go in stir up areas. And I get them to fire off. And it might be noon or one. And they'd be like, ah, and they'll go nuts. Mm-hmm. And I've killed multiple bulls between that noon and two o'clock. Noon and two o'clock. 2 p.m. being that is. Noon to two o'clock because of that full moon because they fired up and they don't want to sit in the bed too long. Man, you just answered the next lightning round question. Yeah, well, <laughs> which is what what's your what's your thought on um midday madness midday hunting because i if, it, if somebody were interviewing me and they're like what's your favorite time of day to hunt most people a lot of people say you know sun up sunrise whatever uh man i just for some reason i can always get them talking at that midday like i'm talking from 10 to 2 that's my favorite time and maybe it's just a uh total like coincidental thing but that's when i've gotten the most responses so um you answered that yes absolutely during the the full moon like during like like other sequence i mean other moon phases man i get them fired up in the morning i'll get them fired up in the evening i'm gonna fire them up any anywhere i go i'm gonna fire them up if they there i'm firing them up yeah yeah no that's fantastic man um this has been this has been really good. I don't know why I haven't had you on the show before yet. I, I've been like following you on I don't know Instagram or somewhere. I've just known about you for a long time, um, and I've always thought about. It's always like, man, I need to get Jermaine on the show. But then it, it hit me that you'd be perfect for the School of September, which you you delivered, man. You delivered. This is this is great content. A lot of really good information in there. Um, I, for folks listening, Jermaine Hodge underscore Colorado is the Instagram handle. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Do you want people to, uh, what is, can you talk about what is Colorado high altitude hunters? Let me, I can click Uh, on this link here. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, uh, that is educational, uh, pro, I say a program, educational based, uh, company that. I'm trying to start up. It's it's at its baby stages, uh-huh. and uh, we're just you know guys that I hunt with, and we just want to like cut the learning curve down for you know newbies that are coming out to Colorado or coming out to any other state, but more so Colorado. Like I've seen and I've talked to so many people that come out to Colorado, non-residents that come out and spend all this money and go home unsuccessful mm-hmm. why 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 would you do that to yourself so what i'm trying to do is cut the learning curve down listen gotcha. these, are the, these are the tools that you need 
These are the things that you can do. These are the things that I can help you do. Mm-hmm. You pick mm-hmm. up that beagle tube, pick up that diaphragm, pick up that open read, start practicing and practice year round. And then when you get out here and if you need some help pinpointing some elk, maybe I might have a location for you. Yeah. Can't give you, can't give you all my stuff, but maybe I got a little. <laughs> Put them in the right direction, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, cool, man. Um, well, I'm looking forward to see how that comes comes together for you. Um, again, great conversation, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, oh, no problem. School of September, guys. It is now May. We have the rest of this month, and we have June, July, and August, and it's game on. So for some of you. Uh, that's coming sooner than than you may think because I know there's some states I want to say like uh, you Utah hunters that opens around August 15th if I remember August. right yes um yes. so that's super early they're gonna be totally bachelored up and I've got no advice for you uh, but I know I know <laughs> dudes do it every year so it's totally doable that's a um, for the for the rest of the West. Um, where it's usually end of August. Anyway, point being, guys, it's almost it's almost here. I know it always feels like it's so far away, and especially because right now I'm like focused on spring bear, but um, elk season is going to be here before we know it. Jermaine, again, folks, the uh in the show notes, Jermaine Hodge underscore Colorado on Instagram. Do you want them to go anywhere else? Where, where else can they find you, Jermaine? They can find me on Facebook, Jermaine Hodge. Just look me up, or they can look up uh, Colorado High Up Two Hunters on uh both both instagram and facebook mm-hmm. i'm not a big twitter fan but we are on twitter too oh you're um, on twitter are you got, new to twitter or have you been on there no, for a while i got i got i got somebody else running that for me i'm not a twitter guy is it is it uh, something that's even relevant for hunters because i always look at twitter like it's just for a bunch of politicians that want to talk shit yeah i'm like dude i cannot do this <laughs> So I got I got one of my buddies running that for me, but but he's he's posting stuff. He doesn't post stuff uh, a lot, but he does post stuff, and uh, he's posting stuff on Twitter. But I, honestly, uh, the platforms that you mainly find is, is is Facebook and Instagram, and then who knows, man? You know this. Uh, what what is this new platform? What uh, my kids got it. Um, I don't know. Shoot. I have no idea, dude. I, I live in the forest. I don't I know no nothing. I'm, so, I'm just so behind all this stuff. Oh, me too. Yeah, I, I try, I try this whole, uh, this whole Instagram thing is, um, I mean, it's not brand new. I've been. The, the problem is, is I don't have the patience to sit down and learn how to like grow it. Um, uh, so I'm it just you. whatever. It just it goes along. What you know? <laughs> so anyway. The, pro- the, uh, the problem with the you. Instagram thing is like if I ask some, you know, famous whatever hunter to come on my show, they always look at my Instagram and because it's new, the followers do not uh, align with the downloads of the show, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, because oh, I, I, I don't um, know what I'm doing yeah, with it. For sure. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. Anyway, don't get me started no, on social media just, shit, man. No, you just keep pushing content out because people want to hear this stuff well right on man i uh i am really looking forward to seeing how your season goes i feel like at some point you and i are gonna have to uh obviously we're gonna have to do this again and uh b i hope we can meet up somewhere at some point and, and actually meet in person 
Um, I, I think, uh, you know, we're not that far away. You're down in Colorado. I'm up in North Idaho. Um, there's gotta be some, I don't know if it's the, the calling championship where, uh, that's usually in what park city or or, Uh, I don't know. Somewhere. No, that's that's in park city. Yeah. Yeah. Park city. So anyway, at some point we're going to meet in person. So, uh, and we'll do this again in the future. But I, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. Everybody, I, I checked you out, made sure your references checked out. <laughs> when I say I just add, hey, you ever heard of this guy? And they're, they're like, yeah, you should get him on the show. He's awesome. Uh, it all came to fruition. You delivered. Uh, and again, thanks a bunch for coming on the show, dude. That was a lot of fun. Of course, Absolutely. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.